The Secret of Utopia Colony, Chapter 16, Utopia Colony. By Scott Sky. Copyright 2013 Scott Sky. The next few days the kids practiced piloting the sub every chance they got, until they were almost as good as Raven. She was pleased, it's nice to see kids sticking with things, even if it's difficult. One afternoon, after checking that Osiril was busy working up in the outpost, the kids went down to the dock to have a close-up look at Osiril's sub. They stood and looked at the Rengil fed, bobbing up and down in the water, it was bigger than the Cheedery, but not by much, and they were sure they could handle it. I wonder when Osiril is going to town again. Samantha said. I can't wait to try it. Me too, said Goro. I keep thinking of the giant thornback ray I saw. I just have to find it again. You probably won't, Samantha said. But wouldn't it be funny if you did, imagine what everyone would think. Nobody's seen one in hundreds of years and then a kid finds one. Later Ms. Riley told them that Osiril was going into town the next day. So if you want him to pick anything up for you, you'd better let him know, she said. He already has a long list, but if you want something, have him add it to the list, and give him the credit. They couldn't wait for Osiril to leave the next day, but he seemed to take forever. Finally he started the old hover car, and flew it out of the garage that it was kept in. Don't cause any trouble while I'm away, he said out the window, maybe sensing they were waiting for him to leave. We never cause trouble, Arthur said. Have fun in Arcadia City, and don't rush back, we'll be fine. Osiral glared at them, and then put his foot down and the Chrysler lurched into the sky, shooting off towards Arcadia City. It's amazing the old car holds together the way he drives, Arthur said as they watched the car disappear over the hills to the south. Well, he's gone, it's our turn. They ran down to the dock, and made their way to the Rengil Fed. Samantha and Goro climbed in, and Arthur gave it a push causing it to drift slightly away from the dock. Be careful, Kiyoko called, wishing she was going with them. We will, Goro shouted back as he closed the hatch. Arthur and Kiyoko stood on the dock, watching the Rengil fed, slowly move away from the shore into the open sea, and then dive under the water. Then Arthur suggested they send out the arrow, so they could keep track of the sub as it made its way out to Utopia Colony. Well, I hope Goro finds the giant thornback ray. Kiyoko said as they walked up the hill. I don't think he will, Arthur said, his common sense telling him that it would take a miracle for Goro to actually find a giant thornback ray. I just hope they're careful. Samantha and Goro were having a great time. They had found that although the Ren Gilfed was a bit bigger and a little slower than the Cheedery, it wasn't that much harder to pilot. They easily found the right currents, and the Ren Gilfed raced towards the reefs of Utopia Colony. This is a great sub. Goro said. One day I'll have one just like this. It'll cost a lot of credit, Samantha said. Well then I'll have to earn a lot, Goro said. Then I'll buy a great sub, just like this one, and go explore the oceans on Jiroda. It'll be great. I wish we could see farther underwater, Samantha said as she piloted the sub. At the speed we're going, we'll have to be careful to slow down before we get there. But before they expected it, the reefs appeared in front of them. Look out! We're headed for a reef! Goro yelled. Slow down, we have to slow down. This current's too strong, we're going too fast. Samantha quickly moved the sub out of the fast-moving current they were in, and they slowed down, narrowly missing one of the reef's coral branches. Once the sub slowed down, they found it easy to control again, 
and began moving around the reefs looking for the channel they'd seen before. This time it seemed harder to spot the channel, it wasn't where they had expected it. They decided to continue looking anyway, figuring that they had to be nearby. As they moved around the reefs they realized how strong the currents were, as several times the sub was caught in one, and pulled suddenly towards one reef or another. There it is, I see it, Goro said suddenly pointing to the right. That's the channel we're looking for. It looks easy enough, let's go. But it wasn't easy. Samantha turned the sub towards the channel, and tried to keep the sub in the middle of the gap in the reefs. But there was a strong current moving through the channel, and it wasn't as big as it looked, in fact it wasn't much bigger than the Rengil fed. Now be careful, Goro warned. This is the dangerous part. Look out. We could get pulled off course and smashed into the reefs. Be very careful. Samantha was very careful, she wanted to visit the old abandoned city more than anything. Everything depended on getting through that channel. Miki was also quiet. He had come along with Goro as usual, and had talked to the fish most of the way there, but now sensed the kids were worried. The channel was long and narrow, with strong currents pushing the sub to one side and then the other. At one point the sub started scraping along the reefs on one side. Did you hear that? Samantha whispered. That was too close. I hope it didn't leave a mark that Hosseral will find, Goro said. Hey look at this, we got through. Wow look at this, the water in here is totally calm. We must be in that area right around Utopia City where there aren't any reefs. Inside the reefs the blue-green water was incredibly calm, and full of thousands of fish that parted as the sub came near. Once again they could see all the way up to the surface of the water, where a shimmering bright spot showed them how high the sun had already risen. In front of them was the giant glass dome of Utopia City. It was strangely calm after the currents in the open ocean and racing through the channel. Goro had wondered if the glass dome might have been damaged during the war, but could now see it was still intact, meaning there was still air inside. They couldn't see anything inside the glass dome, because its inside windows were covered in drops of water. I wonder what that means, Goro said. I wonder if any of the old docks still work, Samantha said. They slowly circled the base of the dome, looking for the docks, and after circling almost half the city, they found a set of docks that seemed in decent shape, and piloted the sub up into the docking bay. These old docks should work, Samantha said. If the magna lock is still magnetic. The Rengil fed floated up through the old docking link, and then the kids powered up the sub's magna lock. Above the sub, the old dock's magna lock ring snapped closed around the sub, creating an airtight link. Samantha and Goro opened the hatch, not knowing what to expect, but found the air in the old dock was fresh, and the temperature was cool and refreshing. They walked through the dock, there were several other docking hatches, but then they found something surprising. Hey, look at this, Goro said. The doors have been forced open. He was standing at a set of doors leading out of the dock, into some kind of hallway. I guess people have been here since the city was evacuated, Samantha said as they walked out through the doors, into the hallway, and were surprised to see how messy it was. The hallway was littered with all kinds of things, chairs, boxes, clothes and other stuff. The people must have had to drop this stuff when the city was evacuated, Goro said. This is creepy. They walked on through the passageways, all littered with the same kinds of things, until they found another door that had been forced open. This one led to the inside of the dome and they couldn't believe what they saw on the other side. They walked through the door and looked around. It was unbelievable, there had once been a small town in there, 
with houses, sidewalks, and everything else that towns have, but now it was all overgrown with trees, big spruce trees. It looked like a forest had moved into the town. Wow! Goro exclaimed. I was wondering what would happen in an abandoned underwater city after this long, but I didn't expect that. There must have been a park in here, Samantha said. And over time the trees spread out to other areas. They walked through the forest of Utopia Colony, looking at the giant trees, whose roots had destroyed the old houses. The ground around the trees was covered in mushrooms and moss. Hey look! A bird! Goro said, pointing at a brightly colored bird which had landed on a nearby branch and was looking at the kids. They stopped to look at it, and it started whistling. How many times have I told you not to whistle? Miki demanded, and the surprised bird flew off. The kids laughed, and then continued walking through the forest, climbing up the hills that had once been small buildings, and seeing more birds of many different types, along with a few squirrels and rabbits. None of the animals seemed too interested in the kids, but Miki did have a way of offending the birds, and none of them wanted to stay near the visitors. The forest was well lit up by light coming in through the glass dome from the ocean above them, although everything did have a blue hue. The air in the forest was extremely moist, and the kids found that every so often, a drop of water would fall on them from the dome above. I'd like to see what that tower is, Samantha said as they slowly made their way towards the center of the city, where a tower reached up to the dome above. Goro was beginning to get bored with the forest, he wanted to go back to the reefs and have a look for the giant thornback ray. He'd seen lots of other fish on the way to the city, but none he didn't see the day they visited the reefs with Raven, except that this time he'd also clearly seen a couple of giant manta rays. But he was still sure there was at least one giant thornback ray around these reefs somewhere. They walked through the hills, and found a kind of valley, with a stream running through it, and various types of flowers growing along its banks. As they walked through the valley, they were reminded again and again that the hills around them had once been people's homes, by the bits of building that still remained. This is amazing, Samantha said as she looked at the old city. But I think it would be creepy at night. You've been listening to Osirile's stories too much, Goro laughed. He liked the old city because it was quiet, the only sounds were the birds whistling to each other in the distance. He thought it would be great to climb up to the windows and wipe away some of the moisture, so he could watch the fish outside. They finally got to the tower at the center of the old city, and found it was much bigger than it looked. They walked around it until they finally found a door, and went in, but they hadn't thought to bring their crystallite torches with them, and the inside of the tower was too dark for them to wander around in. I know what this is, Samantha announced, and then walked back out into the light, and pulled one of the old maps out of the backpack she'd been wearing. It was the old map of the city, they'd found in the captain's safe from the phantasm. Look. This tower goes right up to the top of the dome, here it is on the map. And look, it goes down into the mines under the city. That area up on top of the dome must have been a bigger dock, one for larger submarines. It must have been how they got the gold they were mining out of the mines. There must be a big elevator in there. So that must have been how they got the crystal ferrite into the mines, Goro said, finishing Samantha's thought. We should have brought our torches. I can't believe we didn't bring them, Samantha said feeling disappointed. Now we'll have to come back. Well, we didn't even know if the dome was still intact, Goro said as they began walking back towards the dock. For all we knew before we came, the city could have been flooded with seawater. Secretly, that was what he had been hoping for, a giant dome, flooded with ocean water, 
The perfect hiding place for the giant thorn back ray. Hey look at that. Samantha said, suddenly stopping and pointing to a pile of garbage not far away. What about it? Goro asked, wondering why Samantha was telling him to look at a pile of garbage. While it couldn't have been left by the people that lived in Utopia Colony, it's not covered by the forest, she said walking over to it. Of course. And look at this, Goro said reaching down and picking up a piece of garbage. This is new, some of it must have just been put here in the last few days. And this is the packaging from a Arawami seed bar, that's a Tenko food, and there probably weren't a lot of Tenko living here back then, that was before the Alliance. And this was a bag of Esundlesha nuts, Samantha said. They're an Asena food, Osaral eats them all the time, and I don't think there were any Asena living in Utopia Colony back then. And this was a can of curried tofu, that's a human food. Osaral eats these Esundlesha nuts? Goro asked. Do you think he could have come out here, and eaten this stuff? Osaral? Ha! Huh. Samantha laughed. He wouldn't eat tofu if it was the last thing left in the universe. Just the smell of it makes him sick. But seriously, someone has been here in the last few days, and by the looks of all this garbage, they've been here quite a while. But who would come out here? Goro asked. And why? They must be looking for the crystal ferrite too, Samantha said. Well, I guess they haven't found it, or else they would have left with it. I wonder where they live. Let's have a look around, Goro said. I mean your parents own this old city, right? Let's try to figure out who's living here. Look, this looks like a bit of a path where someone was walking recently, the grass is all pressed down, let's follow it and see where it goes. Well, if it is a path, it seems to go two directions, Samantha said, see, it goes off that way too. Okay, well let's go this way first, and see where it goes, and then come back and see where the other way goes, Goro suggested. They started up the path the one way but soon figured out that it just led back to the tower they'd been at earlier. So they followed the path back the other way, past the pile of garbage, and eventually to a door leading back into the base of the dome, where the subdock was located. They must be living somewhere in the base of the dome, Samantha said. I guess they know the crystal ferrite is down in the mines, and they're searching for it. I don't know, Goro said. If they're living in here, and they're searching around in the mines, then why are they leaving their garbage up near the tower? Why not just leave it here? Well I don't know. Samantha said getting mad. How am I supposed to know how people that creep around old abandoned cities at the bottom of the ocean think? Okay okay, calm down, Goro said. This whole thing is weird. Let's see what the others think of it when we get back to the outpost. I took a hologram of that garbage, and a whole bunch of the forest, otherwise I don't think they'd believe us. Imagine, a forest in a glass bubble at the bottom of the ocean. They'd think we're crazy. Samantha laughed. It was amazing how easy it was for Goro to calm her down when she got mad, when no one else ever seemed to be able to. Well, you're right, Samantha said. We'd better find the sub and get back to the outpost. It's getting late, and Osaral could be getting home any time. I hope the others think of a way to distract him if he gets back before we do. Finding the Ren Gilfed was almost too easy, because as it turned out, the sub dock was right near the door they'd just come through. If they'd just gone the other way down the passages when they'd gotten there, they would have found that door, and the path right away. It was lucky they found it as quick as they did, because they had just begun to realize that they had been walking around the forest for hours, and it was beginning to get dark, 
and neither of them wanted to try to get back through the channel and the reefs after dark. They climbed into the sub, and got it out of the dock as quick as possible, and then began looking for the gap in the reefs, which was almost as hard to find from the inside as from the outside. But after a few minutes of wondering if they'd ever find it again, it appeared, and they started down it. This time it didn't seem so difficult, now they were expecting the sudden current changes, and they managed to get back out to the open sea without scraping against the sides. But once they hit the open waters they found that the tides had changed, and the currents had become very strong. After a few minutes of struggling to keep the sub the right way up, they found the right currents to ride into the shore, and settled down for the trip back. They talked about what they'd done that day, about the reefs, the channel, the unexpected forest in Utopia City, and the mysterious pile of garbage, everything except the one thing on their minds, was Osirail home yet? Did he know they'd taken his sub? Would he be waiting for them at the dock? And if he was, what was he planning to do to them? As they entered the cove the dock was in, they surfaced the sub, and went up on the deck to see if Osirail was waiting for them on the dock. They didn't know what they'd do if he was, but he wasn't there, instead Arthur and Kiyoko were there, waving them in. They piloted the sub up to the dock, and quickly jumped out, ready to run if Osirail were to suddenly appear, the way he had a habit of doing. Did you find the giant thorn back Ray? Kiyoko asked, giving Goro a big hug. Is Osirail back? Goro asked. You've been gone all day. It's almost supper time, Arthur said wanting to know where they'd been and why they'd taken so long. We thought you'd crashed in the reef. Is Osirail back? Samantha demanded. Yes, yes he got back hours ago, Arthur said with a grin. But don't worry, the first thing he did was take some boxes into that secret storeroom of his. And we locked him in. He really doesn't have a second pass card. He's been yelling and banging away on the door for hours. Goro and Samantha looked shocked, and then started laughing so hard they fell over. I don't know how we're going to let him out without him knowing it was us, Arthur added. But he sure doesn't know you took his sub. They decided to go back to the secret storeroom's door, and wait for Osiral to get tired, and then when he stopped for a break, to silently unlock the door, and run away before he tried to open it again. Arthur went down to do it by himself, while the others went to play outside the kitchen window, where they were sure Ms. Riley could hear them. When Arthur got back to the door, Osiral was still banging on it, and yelling in a senon, but after a while he seemed to get tired, the banging became less, so did the yelling, and then he stopped, and Arthur heard his footsteps walking away from the door. Arthur quickly slid the pass card through the door's lock, and then ran out of the storeroom. As he entered the kitchen, he casually walked up to his mother to ask about supper, pretending to have just come from outside. She said it would be a few minutes and that they should all come in and wash up, Arthur went outside to tell the others, making sure to stay near the open window, where his mother could hear. A couple minutes later Rosaral came storming out the door, yelling at the kids. You locked me in. I'll tell your mother. You should all be punished. Locked you in? Arthur said acting surprised, which was hard because the whole thing was so funny. Locked you in where? Goro added, using the most surprised look he could. Your room? Samantha asked looking just as serious as the boys. Kiyoko couldn't keep a straight face though and broke out laughing, ha ha ha, imagine us locking you in your room, ha ha, and then added, you're crazy Osiral. The others also started laughing at the idea of locking Osiral in his room. Ms. Riley had heard all this and quickly headed for the door. You locked me in the storeroom, and you know it, 
Osiral yelled furiously. Here's your mother, you're in a lot of trouble now. What's this about? Ms. Riley asked as she appeared at the door behind Osiral. Ms. Riley, these kids locked me in the storeroom, Osiral began, and now they're laughing about it. Oh Osiral, really? You know there's no lock on the door to the storeroom. Ms. Riley didn't know about the secret storeroom, and Osiral quickly realized that he had almost given it away. You're always yelling at the kids about something, but this is really too much. If you got lost in the storeroom just say so, don't blame the kids. There was nothing Osiral could say, so he just walked away, growling quietly the way he did whenever he was mad. He was in a rush though, he wanted to get back into the storeroom and pile his boxes back up in front of the door, before Ms. Riley decided to go in there and see what all the fuss was about. I really don't know what we're going to do about him, Ms. Riley said to the kids after Osiral had left. Sometimes I think he's just losing his mind. You know last week when he went shopping in Arcadia City? Well I got a call from the police that night, apparently he nodded off while driving, and almost hit a police cruiser. And all those crazy stories he keeps telling about those ghosts of his, walking around the cliffs at night. I mean really, who would believe anything like that? But don't take any notice of how he always seems mad at you. Some old people are like that you know, they're mad that they can't be young too. He might seem angry all the time, but he really is harmless. That's weird, Arthur said after they were alone again. Mom says he's harmless, but Raven said she thought he could be dangerous, one of them must be wrong, 